Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. Good evening and welcome to Business Unusual. I am Annalisa Dube, broadcasting from Victoria Falls at the Shelter Africa Symposium, where leaders from different African countries have convened to address the housing situation on the continent. Now, this episode is brought to you in partnership with FastJet, who recently launched flights from Victoria Falls to Maun in Botswana as they expand their network across Africa. So the Shelter Freak is a pan-African financier for housing in Africa. If you have been following the news, you would know that in Zimbabwe, they recently gave financial institutions such as Bank ABC and First Capital Bank lines of credit specifically for housing. And this is the first time that Zimbabwe has hosted the Shelter Africa Symposium, which is the 41st, by the way, so they have been around for a while. So I caught up with the Shelter Africa Managing Director, Kingsley Mwowo, and I asked him just what Shelter Africa, how much they're going to contribute towards the 50-plus million housing deficit that is in Africa. Have a listen. Oh, thank you so much for your Thanks time. So uh, welcome to Zimbabwe. Thanks Maybe so I should much. say that. How are you finding it here? Zimbabwe is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. And the climate is warm here. Uh-huh. Coming from very cold Nairobi, so it's good. So there have been a lot of deliberations uh, here at the Shelter Big Conference. Mm. What are your maybe expectations of what you expect to come out of this? First of all, we the objective is to engage our stakeholders effectively. Particularly the shareholders. You see all these ministers of housing, they are the ones who present Shelter Freak with our respective member countries. Okay? So they are here. We need to engage them, find out what, what their needs are expectations and where we can improve service delivery. That's the first point. But the bottom line is what we do, we're, we're trying to account for the 2021 financial results. That's the key objective of the AGM. But between that, we've also had this sideline meetings, like the one we just concluded, engaging the central bank governors. It was very important to engage them because one, some of them don't know about South Africa. Okay? But secondly, most of our lending is in foreign currency. That's a good thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Most of our lending is foreign currency. Why? Because our capital is in US dollars. So our countries, when they pay capital, they pay in US dollars. And then where we borrow most of the money is abroad. Most of the multilateral development banks, African Development Bank, European Investment Bank, KFW of Germany, Islamic Development, all those give us foreign currency. So we also own land to our countries in foreign currency. Now there's a challenge there. One of the challenges is, see, our loans are normally typically five years to ten years. So when you borrow for five years, you get, say, ten million dollars, US. And you know for a house you have to build for yourself. So you allow a grace period of two years to build, to construct. The third year, after construction, you start repaying. You might have borrowed the money when the dollar was at, say, let me give you an example in Nigeria. This is happened. The client borrowed the money when the Nigerian, Nigerian Naira was 150 to one US dollar. When repayments began, the Naira shifted from 150 to 300. What does that mean? It means you have to increase the prices. You must source more Naira to repay the dollar. Right. Okay? That defeats the purpose. 
Because what happens normally, the client will say, I can't fully repay you because I need to find more naira's. So I restructure the loan. So, so 10 years goes to 15 years. But it doesn't solve the problem. 15 years time again, the naira now is at 700. And the real, trade on. But there has to be a point where mm. it has to make sense, right? In now, this is why we engage in the center by governors, because they are the ones who manage our foreign exchange reserves. So the best way would be, rather than giving that client dollar, give them a local currency. Do you think that's sustainable, especially considering the inflation figures that was being discussed? <laughs> it's not sustainable, but it's a solution. It's one solution. Because if you give the central bank, the central bank, the one who manages foreign currency, so give the central bank the dollar, the US dollar or euro, whatever, then the central bank will give the client Zim dollar or Nigerian Naira or Zambian Kwachi. Okay? When the payments begin, it will be repaid from the reserve bank. And it's easy for them because they manage the reserves. Then the client there. The client would be repaying the reserve bank in local currency. Now the reserve bank, the agreement they have kept that money like as part of the reserves of the country. So the way they repair us. Right. But they need you need to not not all central banks to agree that scheme. But certainly the Nigerians are great. We have done that even here. So here we have no problem with Zimbabwe as well. But other central bank governors have to come in. Because foreign exchange risk is a real currency. And how far involved is Shelter Africa in the process of acquiring land? I think there's a, a, a session that was shared on there's need for land, there's need for building, etc. How far involved is Shelter Africa in that? No, first of all, that's a local issue. That's a, up to the local government, to the respective government. Because, you know, first of all, for you to borrow to construct houses, you must have land. It's one requirement. Right. Even as you come as a private individual, what's to do you have land? Yes, that's your contribution. This is the land, it's valued, it's clean tight. Then you, you get, it's one of the conditions the president to access the money. Now in the case of this one, what we're requesting governments to say, look, rather than using, develop, private developers are, are important, but we need to do mass housing, a lot of housing units through governments. Governments, they do own land, the local government, they own land. So what they must do is to allocate land free. The reason is this, we allocate land free because one of the elements of the cost of the house is land. Right. In Kenya where we are, we are headquartered, land, land as a component of the project costs about 30%, even 40%. So if your house was supposed to be delivered at $100,000 with land, if you remove land, the house will be $60,000. That's more affordable. So governments must able to provide land. So we're trying to influence the governments, and what lobby. Has, and say, what has been, uh, what sense are you getting from the feedback requiring giving out land? It's very, okay, I'll give you an example. Like Zimbabwe has been very positive. Zimbabwe have committed to do 3,000 units. So the first pilot will be 300 units in each province. I don't know which towns they will choose. Okay? 300 units per province. Total, 3,000. Those units on seat of land donated, availed by the government. And the government will be the borrower themselves. Or you can actually give a private developer the land. <laughs> there, was an issue, sorry, there was an issue that was raised by mm. the ambassador of Nigeria, mm. saying that there is need for African governments to have you know, African-centric ways of doing things. And he argues that our current models are Eurocentric. How do you respond to that? Yes, exactly. 
you see, you heard there some central bank governors are saying, ah, look, it's not our issue, it's not our problem. My job is price stability, you know, monetary stability, financial stability. That's their function. They say the issue of interest rates are caused by irresponsible governments. I mean, not responsible governments. Uh, by the macroeconomic fundamentals. If as a country you are not generating enough money to pay for your budget, what do you do? You borrow from, uh, you issue treasury bills or treasury bonds. What's the impact of that? It increases the, the, the cost of borrowing. Right. Yeah. So if the governments are not borrowing heavily, generally the cost of the money should be lower because now they need to go to the private sector. But if you check, most of our governments are the highest borrowers. And when they do that, banks are encouraged to lend to the governments. Why? It's risk-free because they're just printing money, right? Run a private sector purpose. So if government reduces the appetite for borrowing, interest rates will reduce because we're arguing the interest are too high. Okay? Yeah, and everyone was in agreement. Mm, yeah. But then I think there was someone mm. who was saying mm. the question is we need to ask mm. why the interest rates are so high. And the answer is simple: interest are high because we're, we're, we're fiscal discipline. We don't have fiscal discipline. Must be borrowing. And our governments are lacking that. Eh? Our governments are lacking that. It's not lacking. They need to finance the, the budget. If you don't have money, what do you do? You borrow. And government's name is easier to borrow. Right. Yeah, because all government, you're depositing the commercial bank. You know what the bank does? It just buys treasury bills. I don't know how much the commercial bank gives the interest rate. How much do they give? Generally, they'll give 2% to a, I mean, a depositor. Government borrows at 10%. Look at the margin they are giving. So we should discourage that. That money should go in for development. Say like the private sector, somebody can borrow the money at five percent, then you can only invest it, then above ten percent. So there were conversations mm. about how currently in Africa there's about fifty million yeah, people yeah. that are lacking housing. So what are your targets as Shelter Africa to cover that gap? Like what are your time frames, targets that you're looking at to actually address that? Actually, the other way around is fifty million plus housing units. Mm -hmm. That's a shortage of. Housing units, 50, 50, 50 million plus. So, Shelter Freak, for the past 40 years, it has not been a good story because we've not done much. You can count how many houses, less than 50,000 units. So, what's the way to scale up? It's through sovereign lending. We want to lend it direct to governments to put up massive housing units. Because, one, housing, government has got land. So the cost of land will be elevated. Two, they will reach a wider population because the danger has been, I mean, the, the, the challenge has been this. Most developers of Zimbabwe, when they borrow, I mean, uh, the banks, you know where they put the units? Harare, 90%. I doubt, name Palawan, but by and large, all of them in our countries, they put the houses in the capital cities. Yes, in our capital cities, there's need for, for the money, but we want them to be inclusive, reach out to the whole country. It can only be done through government. Right. Because you as a private sector person, you put where you want, you maximize where you sell quickly. Okay. So government needs to have a plan of distributing, distributing all these houses yes, across the country. Across the country. Mm -hmm. So the strategy now to address that deficit by saying, let's do massive housing units. And we've come up with the strategy to say, well, at, on the average, not less than 1,000 units. Because currently you can come and put up 20 units, 50 mm -hmm. units. That's, That's not good. And yeah. are you happy with the roadmap that Zimbabwe has so far put? They? The roadmap that Zimbabwe yes. has. Yes, Zimbabwe, they have put up a very good and it's very specific. They are saying 200, which the vice president mentioned. 200,000. 200 per year, right? 200,000 by 2023. <laughs>
They are saying by 2023, yes. next year. So, but they said it's 200,000 units per year. They are aiming to do 1.3 million by yes, 2030. Yes, by 2030. Yes. It's good at least they've got, you know, objectives must be smart. Uh, specific, measurable. We are ready. We, as we speak, the Minister of Housing, working with Minister of Finance, they have a term sheet from South Africa for 25 million US dollars as we speak to them. Right. Yes, as a, just, just a start. And they'll be rolling over and we increase. Right. They are ready. Because the experience in Zimbabwe has been very good. We don't, we don't have any land performing loan here. Despite the challenges, we don't know. And one reason is the Central Bank has been very good. They have always allocated. And I'm sure Zimbabweans are happy to hear that. Thank yes, you so yeah, much, Ms. Moore, for yeah, your time. Yeah, Appreciate it. Looking forward for good, good, conversation. Good, good. That was Kingsley Mwowo, the Shelter Africa Managing Director. We take a quick break. Thereafter, we'll hear from the Minister of Housing, Daniel Gadwe. Stay with us. FastJet, your value-based Zimbabwean airline of choice, offers you the lowest fares across their domestic and international network between Zimbabwe, South Africa, and Botswana. Operating scheduled flights from Harare, Bulawayo, Victoria Falls, Johannesburg, Nelspruit, Trigumpumalanga, and Maun in Botswana, FastJet is a leading value-based airline in Africa. The multiple award-winning airline continues to offer customers choice, flexibility, and value through their lowest fares, scheduled flights, and multiple new flights timings across their network of flights and industry-leading products and services. For the lowest fares on offer, all of which include free baggage allowance and flexible changes, visit FastJet's website at www.fastjet.com. FastJet, for everyone. Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. It is business unusual. I'm Mona Lisa Dewe, broadcasting from Victoria Falls at the Shelter Afrique Symposium. My next guest is the Minister of Housing and Social Amenities, Daniel Garwe. And we spoke about the housing plans for Zimbabwe and how they are partnering with Shelter Afrique to make this a reality. Minister, for your time. Uh, I know the last time we spoke, you were talking about organizing the Shelter Free Conference. Are you happy with the turnout? Thank you very much. We are we are quite happy with the turnout. We expecting about 300 plus guests. I think we've surpassed that target now. So we're quite happy. Yes. The level of organization is also pleasing. Everybody's happy. No incidences. And um, there have been a number of conversations that have been happening, you know, throughout the conference, and I know they are still on, ongoing. Uh, what would you say are some of the major highlights that have come out of the conversation so far? Today's conversation was a, a roundtable discussion by reserving governors in Africa, together with the ministers of housing. The key issue was the affordable housing, affordable finance, sustainable finance. That was the key issue and that banks must come on board in ensuring that there is smooth delivery of housing, remove the bottlenecks that are being created by price increases, inflation, exchange rates, and, and many other ills that are, that, that are there. And above all, just deal also with corruption in the housing sector, which is causing price increases in building materials and things like that. And uh, there was also a, a number of issues that were raised regarding the role of the government in making sure that there is access to land, right? How you are the Minister of Housing, and I know that these are some of the issues that you deal with on the daily. How would you respond to such issues? Zimbabwe has already answered that call. 
the government is providing affordable land for housing delivery. Remember, if I take you back to 2014, government availed land to developers at very affordable rates, $3.50 per square meter. The developer was supposed to mobilize financial resources and technical expertise to do the on-site, off-site infrastructure. Then the sale developed the stands to beneficiaries. But that did not happen because the land developers became delinquent. They started parceling out pieces of land in virgin areas where there was no infrastructure development. But yes, in Zimbabwe, we've, we've, we've taken heed of that. We now have a, a new housing policy which ensures that on-site, off-site infrastructure is provided before any house is built. Mm -hmm. The other African countries are also following suit. And uh, I know that in the se in the session as well, you brought up a number of issues to do with that cohesion that has been discussed. And one of your concerns that you highlighted was the issue to do with the role of the banking sector into um, the building construction. Can you just tell us what some of your concerns are regarding the role of the banking sector in construction and what you would rather have them do better? We I actually highlighted the role of the banking banking sector in the role of the pension funds and insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Banking the banking sector is responsible are the authorities on mortgage facilities. They inherited the mortgage system that was created for an elite class within the within the, our society. And that elite class had secured jobs, had secured employment with a massive with big corporates. Now the landscape has changed in Zimbabwe. The majority of those companies have either gone past, closed or relocated. We now have a lot of self-employment, SMEs in in in, in informal sector at play. Our economy is predominantly SMEs right now. But the majority of the SME players are self-employed. You will now ask the, a self-employed person to come with a pay slip and many other requirements of a mortgage system that was created for an elite, elitist group. It will not work. But these are people with capacity to generate a lot of income. They've got capacity. If someone can pay rent at $150, $200 per month, Sure, that person has got the capacity to save a mortgage system of the same level. Mm -hmm. Why are we now saying if if he's coming to rent your house and you're a bank manager with several houses, you, you trust that person that at the end of the month he will pay your rentals. Right. But if the guy is coming and says, I've identified the house which I want to buy and I want, I'm, capable, I'm, I'm in a position to pay $200 a month as mortgage, you say no, you can't satisfied the requirements of this sheet that was prepared 20, 40, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. So they need to have a paradigm shift in the mortgage system. Is it up? That's on the, on the banks. Mm -hmm. On the pension funds, pensions, pension funds insurance companies, their core business is to collect contributions from employees, mm -hmm. either in the form of a defined benefit or defined contribution. And the employee spends 25 years of his life working for could be various companies. Come retirement time, he retires to his village because he doesn't have accommodation in, in town. Even if he's got accommodation in time, sometimes he can't sustain the life. He goes to the village, passes on, but he hasn't received these benefits from the, from the pension fund. The pension fund now takes that money 
invests in social in in, in, in shopping malls in office instead blocks, of housing instead of housing mm -hmm. and we are saying there should be a regulation which compels them to to contribute at least 20 percent of their revenue right towards housing and what has been the conversations are they welcoming of this conversation there is a lot of resistance these things are not new they were there before you know go back to the 80s the bulk of the blocks of flats that you find in towns particularly in Harare, were owned by pension funds they were responding to that call they were creating the rental market that i was talking about right but because of other problems that also were created like uh, regulating the, the the rentals they couldn't they, it, it became unsustainable so they stopped mm -hmm. but we are now saying look we've that regulation has been removed you can charge your rentals the way you want for as long as they they are fair and reasonable but contribute towards housing that is the only way the deceased person can spiritually benefit from his contributions <laughs> <laughs> okay so earlier on uh, i think so i guess you would agree with what the ambassador from nigeria was saying to say that we currently have eurocentric uh, ways of doing things and we need an african mode of sorts to make sure that everyone has access to housing i think there were figures that were being talked about 50 million uh, units of housing that are actually in deficit in africa right now yes yes precisely it's 56 million housing deficit for Africa and for Zimbabwe is 1.2 million, which is massive given the size of our economy. The, the challenge we have as Africa is we adopted foreign culture, be it in banking, be it in housing, be it in finance, any sector of our economy, it's, it's all foreign. We never developed our own systems that suits into our customs and values as, as Africans. And that's what the Nigerian colleague was talking about. Let's do away with the, the euro euro-driven systems and develop our own that responds to our to, to our own environment. Right. And only then we can borrow from from the from the eurocentric approach. There is nothing wrong with that, but we must have a domestic homegrown solution. What is your role? What is your role as a minister in all of these conversations? Because we talk about the banks, talk about the pensions, we talked about having models that work for Africa. We talked about access to land. What is your role in all of this? We are the authority on housing delivery as housing ministers. We want to ensure that we deliver on that mandate on behalf of our, our principals who are the presidents of the various countries. That's our role. But, but how are you going to deal with all these roadblocks that seem to be on we, the way? We have to engage create an environment that ensures that we are engaging, we are removing the bottlenecks and we move together. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh -huh. And finally, Minister, uh, I was speaking to the Managing Director of Shelter Africa and was talking about how as a, as a financier of housing in Africa, they're looking forward to have a situation where, because they are providing capital in foreign currency, but they're hoping that by the time it gets to the user, it actually gets there in local currency. Is this the model that we're going to be seeing in Zimbabwe? In fact, I'm part of the Short Africa leadership. What we are saying is Short Africa must go to every jurisdiction in Africa, Zimbabwe in particular, come to Zimbabwe, raise finance using the local, local currency, use that money now to extend in terms of credit lines or, or funding directly to the ministry various government departments for the construction and the delivery of housing using local currency. Mm -hmm. But we need to arrest the elephant in the house. Price increases, rampant price increases, 
the mobile exchange rate that we have those are the ills that needs to be the inflation inflation yes interest, interest rates, rates yes. yes those 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 are, like i said those are symptoms to an underlying problem mm. the underlying problem is self-created which is corruption particularly in our sector land barons are being arrested because they are they are fleecing innocent innocent people who desperately need to build accommodation for their families and then they are fleeced and sometimes the land is sold at exorbitant rates 70 80 dollars per square meter these are us dollars per square meter land that government gave to that person when he was masquerading as a developer 83 dollars 50 per square meter he then sells it at 80 dollars per square meter no value addition given is as virgin as it was when it was, it was given to him. Nothing is added, nothing to it. Right. Yeah, so that has to be stopped. Absolutely. Minister Gareth, thank you so much for your time and all my, the best of the remaining days. My pleasure. Thank you. We were hearing from the Housing Minister, Daniel Garwe, who was speaking on the housing plans for Zimbabwe and how they're going to be tapping into the opportunities that are within Shelter Africa. He was recently appointed as the second vice chairperson for the actually the first uh, vice chairperson for um, the institution. We will continue the conversation after the break. FastJet, your value-based Zimbabwean airline of choice, offers you the lowest fares across their domestic and international network between Zimbabwe, South Africa, and Botswana. Operating scheduled flights from Harare, Bulawayo, Victoria Falls, Johannesburg, Nelspruit, Trigumpumalanga, and Maun in Botswana, FastJet is a leading value-based airline in Africa. The multiple award-winning airline continues to offer customers choice, flexibility, and value through their lowest fares, scheduled flights, and multiple new flight timings across their network of flights and industry-leading products and services. For the lowest fares on offer, all of which include free baggage allowance and flexible changes, visit FastJet's website at www.fastjet.com. FastJet, for everyone. Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. Thank you for staying with ZFM Stereo. This is Business Unusual. I'm Lisa Dube and I'm at the Shelter Africa Symposium in Victoria Falls where various stakeholders in the construction space have convened to talk housing in Africa. Now, one of those stakeholders that I managed to have a chat with was Better Holdings Group Chief Executive Godfrey Manambara and I asked him his thoughts on the targets that have been made by the government. Have a listen. Thank you, Mr. Manambara, for your time. So, um, as someone who is in the you know construction business, what do you make of the conversations that are happening here? Well, they are interesting, but I think the missing link is the multi-sectoral approach, which is missing. For you to deliver decent, affordable, low-cost housing to the populations around us, you need all the players in the value chain. When those players start off from the people who actually own the land, normally in most countries it's councils or governments. What is happening around that space? Uh, these are becoming very expensive uh, to purchase for the ordinary men and women in the street. It also is littered with all sorts of contradictions, corruption, land barons and all those people, making it very complicated, very expensive and very difficult to get the land. 
So something needs to be done there. And I don't think that conversation was being done here. Local council officials, government have to play a role there. Then you go to the second part, which is where I sit as better holdings. What do we do? We manufacture the materials that go into construction. So we are probably one of the most critical players in that sector because if we can make our materials affordable yeah. and, uh, and sustainable, taking into account the climate change issues and so on, so we will then enable a larger pool of people to participate in the housing chain. If, it, if there are expensive materials, you know, what are people going to do? They are not going to be able to purchase or build their own properties. Mm -hmm. So we're a critical player. What do we require? We therefore require fiscal tax incentives to ensure that we invest yeah. in appropriate technology, equipment, that is suitable for where we are going. What, what is the procedure right now? Because I know right now you're talking about recommendations that you think need to be happening in the Zimbabwean context. What is currently happening in the construction space when somebody wants to buy a house or buy uh, to build a house or to build a property? It's very fragmented. That's why I'm saying it's very fragmented. Uh, I'm sure you hear of so many cases, people having their multiple sales for a piece of land. There's so many players in there. It's very fragmented. Rules are not being followed. If they are being followed, they are being bent left, right, and center. Fragmented. Funding is not available. As we all know, there's no mortgage funding for anybody like yourself to say, I now need housing. How, you know, where do you start? You've nowhere to start. People like ourselves, we're literally out there making it on our own. Uh, trying to service that market to the best of our ability, which we try. Uh, and all we are saying is, let's get it into a structured uh, value chain. Because, as was said in the meeting yesterday, I think by the Vice President, one of the three basic requirements of a human being is food, shelter, and water. So we sit in that space. Basic requirement. But we are treating it like it's not important. It is important. It requires serious discussions like what has been started here. But I think it has to be holistic. Every, yeah. holistic. Yeah. every player must be in there. And then to say, what are the challenges? What are the limitations? When we do that, we can now start delivering two, three, four hundred thousand units a year. At the moment, we can't because it's fragmented. So do you think, I know that the government has set a target of 200,000 uh, units by 2023 and about 1.3 by 2030. Do you see this possible? It is doable. It is possible. But if we continue on the path that we are on now, where we are doing it in a fragmented manner, I think it's going to be very difficult. And I'm saying, let us therefore sit as players in that space and say, what are the challenges? And there are so many. I mean, we even small little things like we've lost quite a lot of, uh, you know, builders who have left the country. Do we, are we training a lot more builders to come through the pipeline? Uh, these are small things that might appear insignificant. But when you try and build something today, that's when you suddenly realize, hey, I can't get builders. So you, you can see what I'm trying to say. So we need to revive those building training colleges that were there before. Are they still there? I don't know. 
it needs someone to identify that. But it's a challenge that we see. Uh, and as I said, with, when we have done that, and these targets are set, people will then say, okay, what's stopping us to achieving those objectives, isn't it? You go through each player and say, what are your limitations? What are the obstacles? And that's what that value chain meeting is supposed to do. Yeah. And if we can do that, it's doable. It is doable, uh, but it just needs to be put in a structured manner. How would you rate the construction? I mean, you are into bricks, so you probably have an assessment of just how we are doing as a country in terms of construction, etc. How would you rate that? Well, we, we, we know as, as better holdings, we do more than bricks. Eh? We do our materials are what we call superstructure materials. So we do bricks, we do roof tiles, we provide you with your pavers, we give you aggregates, you know, your three-quarter stones. That's all a part of our story. How do I rate it? It is probably one of the most vibrant economic activities right now in the country. There's no two ways about it. Uh, there's a lot of building that I think you see happening. Uh, we are seeing growth rates of over 15% in real terms every year, year on year. Uh, we are currently ourselves as better operating 24 7. Uh, we have no holidays, no weekends, and we are in the process of expanding our own capacity uh, in order to deal with this uh, growing demand. So we are very bullish about it, we are very optimistic. But we are just saying we could do better right. as an industry. Uh, we could actually achieve a lot more. But what has been the feedback and the response that you've been getting from the authorities as you engage with them? There is now a recognition that this is a critical part of a delivery system. I think you hear the president all the time talk about infrastructure. And I think you can see it happening even on the roads. I think there is now a recognition that this was something that's been neglected for quite a long time. Uh, why we did that, I don't know, because as I said, it's a basic requirement and uh, we therefore need to, to address it. I think you had uh, the Minister of Housing and Social Amenities, Honorable Garwe, say in a session this morning, hey, we just allowed people to come into the urban areas, but we did not put the infrastructure in place. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore we then get shocked when the infrastructure can't cope right. and so on. Housing is not there. Shacks start developing, slums develop. It can be addressed. And I think government, uh, through the two or three ministries that are engaged, is now on board. Reserve Bank is also now on board. And we've been able to engage them to get the necessary foreign currency and the prioritization to get the equipment in. Now I'm pleased to say we are now in the process of uh, bringing in the equipment and uh, we see ourselves over the next 12 months doubling our own production capacity right. uh, over the next 12 months uh, and also widening that footprint uh, just from away from Harare. Into Where Arare. are you currently based? Harare primarily, but we are putting up a new factory in Melfort, which uh, I will invite you one day, but it's going to be one of the biggest single brick factories in, in Africa. It's a huge one. We are also going into Mutare. Uh, we are looking at that. We are also looking at uh, Wange, that uh, Gwai area, uh, to cover this Matebele North Province, uh, and so on and so on. So we, 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 we are very bullish.
we, we are very optimistic. All the best with that. Thank you so much for your time, sir. All right, thank you. That was Godfrey Manambara, the group chief executive for Better Holdings, whom I spoke to on the sidelines of the Short Afrique Symposium. And that's it for Business Unusual this week in partnership with FastJet. I am Annalisa Dubey. Stay with CFM Stereo. Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction.